Let us begin. Hello everyone, welcome to Brew Distilled. I'm your host, DG Monte Ale, and the title's episode is going to be The Bar of Loki. In this edition, I'll be recapping Black Widow, the recent film from the MCU, and I'll also be talking more about the Loki season finale and what this means for season two, and I'll also be giving some brief predictions for season two, based on information we know so far, and I'll also be talking about what this means for the MCU going forward, what impact will Loki have for future MCU projects that are coming up soon, such as Marvel What If, the next Spider-Man movie, the next Doctor Strange movie, and also the next Ant-Man movie, as all these movies and even Marvel What If are going to be impacted by the events of Loki. Although we're not sure yet if Marvel What If is going to have a connection to Loki. We're told it's going to be an anthology series. But with the events of the ending of Loki, I can see how this could maybe have a connection. But right now, the connection, as we do know, is going to be felt in the next Spider-Man movie, the next Doctor Strange movie, and also the next Ant-Man movie. First off, I'll go into a brief NFL update. So far, there's no news in Aaron Rodgers' situation. Although there was recently some news that Aaron Rodgers turned down an offer for an extension with the Green Bay Packers, which would keep him with the Packers for multi-year contract. It has been reported that Aaron Rodgers has turned that down, so it looks like his future Green Bay is all but certain that he will not be there this coming season, because right now, it does not appear there's going to be a resolution to this current situation based on his recent news that he turned down a contract extension. And the NFL also just recently announced that teams who have potential COVID outbreaks will likely have to forfeit games, as right now, given the current surge in COVID, the NFL is starting to release guidelines by telling teams that COVID outbreaks could indeed lead to a forfeit of a game, which could have a major impact in the NFL season in the event that this does occur. So that would be a very interesting situation to follow in terms of when the NFL season does begin in the event there is a forfeiture. So definitely an issue I'm going to keep an eye on here for future editions of Brew Distilled once the NFL season does come up. I'll be talking about more NFL updates when the NFL season begins. And also Sports Illustrated recently released a list about 12 teams they believe could win the Super Bowl in this upcoming NFL season. And those teams are the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who will be the returning champions, the Cleveland Browns, the Buffalo Bills, the Green Bay Packers, even though the Aaron Rodgers situation is still ongoing, the Los Angeles Rams, as they just recently added Matt Stafford as their quarterback, the San Francisco 49ers, who also have their own interesting situation at quarterback, with Trey Lance and Jeremy Garoppolo. We don't know who would be the starter as of yet, but they are on the list of teams who could win the Super Bowl, interesting enough. There's also the Dallas Cowboys, the Indianapolis Colts, the Baltimore Ravens, the Seattle Seahawks, and the Los Angeles Chargers. That does round out a pretty interesting list. I do see some surprises on here given the way some teams are dealing with some situations right now. We don't know how Dallas is going to perform when Dak Prescott comes back from his ankle injury. And we also don't know what's going to happen with Green Bay with their quarterback situation and also with the 49ers who will be their starting quarterback. So we'll have to wait to see how this list plays out. There are 12 teams on this list. Could there be a team on this list that does end up winning Super Bowl that comes out as a dark horse? That remains to be seen. But that is the current list right now in terms of Super Bowl contenders according to Sports Illustrated. And that shall conclude my NFL update for this week's edition of Brew Distilled. We'll have to see how these things play out when the NFL season does begin. But I do believe we're going to have a pretty interesting NFL season with a lot of drama and good storylines. We'll just see how it plays out as the NFL does go into what hopefully will be a season free of COVID complications. I'm now going to recap Black Widow, the recent Marvel movie that came out in theaters. It was the first Marvel movie to come out in theaters, not theaters are reopening. And also the first movie on 
saw in theaters with the reopening of theaters. And I really enjoyed the movie. I really liked it. Even though it was a prequel, it really does have a place in the MCU. It also was phase four of the MCU. I can see why it does have a place in phase four, which I'll get to in a few minutes. But overall, it was outstanding. It was also the final Marvel movie for Scarlett Johansson, and she really did an excellent job in this movie. She'll be greatly missed in the MCU, as Scarlett Johansson was one of the best performers and actresses in the MCU. She played one of the best characters as part of the Avengers. Black Widow is my second favorite character in the Avengers. Number one was Iron Man. So Iron Man and Black Widow, my top two Avengers, and they're no longer in the MCU, so they will be greatly missed, especially Black Widow. Now, if you haven't seen Black Widow yet, do not proceed forward because there will be spoilers. Ready? Well, here we go. In this movie, we saw more about Black Widow's backstory. We saw that she's part of a KGB sleeper cell in Ohio. Just like at the FX series, The Americans, she's part of a KGB family pretending to be Americans living in Ohio. Her father was Red Guardian, who's also a spy for the KGB. And we also got introduced to more of Black Widow's family, also her younger sister, while they're living this life in America. Now, they were forced to leave America in a spontaneous moment as S.H.I.E.L.D. found out who they were. They chased into an airplane to get on a plane fly to Cuba after very much a dramatic escape scene away from S.H.I.E.L.D. It's when they go to Cuba in where Black Widow and her younger sister, Yelena, are separated by their parents in Cuba where they're then taken to a secret Soviet weapons program and where they're trained to be assassins for the KGB. And it turns out our Scarlett Johansson was not the only Black Widow as anyone in this program is called a Black Widow. It was a program of female assassins created by the KGB during the height of the Cold War, and we definitely saw some Cold War mentality, Cold War imagery in the introduction of this film, which really stood out, but also very eerie at the same time, but also very effective for the film's introduction. The movie then takes place in the events between Captain America's Civil War and Avengers Infinity War, in where Romanov, aka Black Widow, is on the run. She's a fugitive away from the governments of the world after the events of Captain America's Civil War, as she's now wanted for violating the Sokovia Accord. Now, the film does have a lot of action. The villain, a Taskmaster, is well thought out, well played, a perfect villain for Black Widow, but also a tragic villain in this film as well. The film also presents pretty interesting flashback moments, such as where Romanov, when she was an assassin, assassinated someone and ended up killing the daughter of Dreykov, the film's main villain. The cinematography in that scene was well thought out, also provided a very effective scene for the story of this film. And there were also several mentions of Hawkeye in the film as well, some Hawkeye Easter eggs, as he's mentioned several times in the film by Black Widow. As he was very essential in when she came to the United States after defecting to join S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, the duo of Black Widow and Yelena, her sister, was very well done as well. At first, they were skeptical of each other, but Yelena was also part of this secret program as well, but she was able to snap out of the spell. It turns out all the Black Widows in this film are under some kind of mind control and where they're being programmed to be assassins, being controlled behind the scenes by the villain known as Dreykov, who is also the film's main villain, and who is also the father of Taskmaster, which is revealed in a twist in the film. We learn that Dreykov is behind a program called the Red Room, which is a programmed as programming these Black Widow assassins, all females, who are part of the secret weapons program, but they're not bad people, they're just under the spell, just under this mind control that he has going on. Yelena was part of the program, but an antidote was able to snap her out of her spell, and where she joins Black Widow in a quest to bring down the Red Room, also with the help of Red Guardian and her mother. The film does show a very good exploration about Black Widow and her origins, and also where she was between the events of Civil War and Avengers Infinity War. And the addition to Red Guardian is also well placed at the same time, the prison break where Yelena and Black Widow team up to break Red Guardian out of the prison that he's in showed a very good action scene, but also a very good collaboration between two characters who at first had some animosity towards each other when they were united earlier in the film. Red Guardian is also a comedic character as well, has some good comedic moments in the show, but is also on the quest for redemption, also so he can be a hero to Yelena and Black Widow. The film also shows that Black Widow has a lot of secrets about her that she's also finding out about herself, and also where she fits in in the world. There is also mention about where the Avengers are in this film, as she's 
working on her own. And this kind of shows that the Avengers were never a perfect team. They come together in the movies in a major crisis, but they're not always there for one another when one is in a major crisis. And that is one of the themes I saw explored in this film, where Black Widow is reminded about where are the Avengers in her time of need, as she's fulfilling this quest on her own with help of her family and Yelena. Now, we do know some of the other Avengers are imprisoned on the raft, but Iron Man, War Machine, and Vision, they're not in prison, they're out free in the world. So the film does a good job of exploring that theme, even though it's not very long, it's very brief, but it does show the Avengers were never a perfect team, and Black Widow is able to fulfill this mission on her own, without needing help from any other Avengers. Now, Black Widow and her family eventually do take down the Red Room. They're able to free the other Black Widows by using the antidote to free them from their spell. They take down Dracov in a very dramatic action scene towards the end of the film, and Black Widow is left to her own. She allows her family to escape. The authorities are coming for Black Widow. She says she'll take care of the rest. Now, we don't know what happens at the end if Black Widow is taken prisoner briefly, but at the very end of the film, she's able to access a Quinjet with help from a source, in where she says she's got to break some people out of prison, and this, assuming, is where the other Avengers from the end of Captain America Civil War are free from the prison on the raft, which includes Hawkeye. It's after this where Black Widow then resumes a life as being on the run. We saw this at the beginning of Avengers Infinity War, where she eventually sided with Captain America, even though they were once against each other in Captain America Civil War. The film does show a good exploration of Black Widow. This is a movie that should have been done much earlier, much sooner, because this could have been a trilogy for Marvel. I think this was the best trilogy that never was in a Marvel Cinematic Universe. But the movie does a good job of exploring Black Widow's history, where she is in the present, after the events of Captain America Civil War, prior to the events of Avengers Infinity War. But it does allow Scarlett Johansson to shine, and also for the character of Black Widow to shine, which is much long overdue in the MCU. It was most definitely a fitting conclusion to the story of Black Widow in the MCU, despite the movie's prequel status. It did show her independently completing her own quest, her own adventure, in the face of adversity, while also working alongside long-lost family members to stop an evil program from continuing. And most of all, it showed the power and influence of Black Widow in the MCU and what she brought to the MCU over the past 10 years by showing us one final epic adventure. Now, at the end credits scene, now this is where it starts to connect with the future of the MCU. Now, we all know that Black Widow did not make it through the events of Avengers Endgame. She died in that film, so she no longer be in the MCU unless it's a prequel. But at the end of the film is when Yelena is visiting Black Widow's grave and where she's visited by Valentina. We all know Valentina from Falcon and Winter Soldier, where she recruited Walker to be part of the team she's building. Now, apparently, Yelena is working for Valentina, as is clear in this scene. Now, we all know the scene takes place after the events of Avengers Endgame, where we all know Black Widow did not make it out of that film. So, this is in a post-Thanos world where this end scene is taking place, where Yelena is being confronted by Valentina for a special job, where we all now know that Yelena is now working for Valentina. It doesn't appear that Yelena is happy to be working as Valentina, but it appears she has no other option at this moment. She appears to be in her own struggle right now, her own unique phase of life. She's working without Black Widow, her sister. Now she's working with Valentina. But we don't know the nature of her work with Valentina. It's then Valentina gives her an assignment where she says that she needs her to kill Hawkeye because she blames Hawkeye for the deaths of Natasha Romanoff, aka Black Widow. This is the information that Valentina gives Yelena. And this is going to pave the way for Hawkeye. The series is going to come out later this year on Disney+, Plus, where we all know Yelena is going to be appearing in that series. But we all know that Hawkeye had nothing to do with the death of Black Widow. That was a very complicated moment they were in where a sacrifice had to be made and where Black Widow sacrificed herself to save Hawkeye because they had no choice. It was either her or Hawkeye and Black Widow made the ultimate sacrifice. Now it appears Valentina has vendetta against Hawkeye. She wants him dead. That's why she's telling Yelena that she needs to kill Hawkeye to avenge the death of Black Widow. So it appears this end credit scene is paving the way for the plot line for Hawkeye which will come out later this year on Disney+. And I'll be recapping that show when it comes on here in the Brutus Soap Podcast. But it's very much an interesting 
twist, showing that Valentina is going to be a force to be reckoned with in the MCU, and she's recruiting people for a team, and now it appears she's starting to target X-Avengers, the first one being Hawkeye. So it's going to be very interesting how this plays out when Hawkeye comes out, as this is going to be taking place after the events of Avengers Endgame, and now we're going to see Yelena probably be a villain, but I don't think she's going to be a villain for much longer. I don't know how that's going to stick, if she's going to be a villain for the entire series. I eventually think she's going to find out the truth that Black Widow was not killed by Hawkeye, but how Hawkeye proved that, that remains to be seen, assuming he actually does prove that. So the end credits scene really does stand out by paving the way for the plot of Hawkeye, and that was a really good moment here in this movie. But overall, this movie is really outstanding. We learned a lot about Black Widow, saw a very good storyline, matching up to Cold War, her Cold War origins, her history with the KGB, and her Soviet origins, but also how Black Widow became disenchanted with what she was doing. She didn't want to be an assassin for the KGB. She eventually defected to join S.H.I.E.L.D., later becoming an Avenger, and this film really did a good job of exploring what led to that. But overall, excellent movie. I like how it played out. I definitely recommend seeing it. Good action, good drama, very rich storytelling. Also introducing new characters into the MCU because when the film ended, Red Guardian, Yelena, their mother, all the other Black Widows that are freed, along with Taskmaster, are still out there alive and well. So will we see them in future MCU projects? That remains to be seen, but it's definitely something to keep an eye on. We all know Yelena is going to be in Hawkeye, but will there be other Black Widow characters in Hawkeye? That remains to be seen. But Hawkeye and Black Widow are no doubt connected, a TV show and a movie connected, and also connected to Falcon and Winter Soldier as well as Valentina was in that series. So what we see here is, is Falcon and the Winter Soldier is a companion show to Black Widow, which is also a companion to Hawkeye. So those three shows and movies are all connected, which is really interesting seeing how it drives the story forward in the MCU. So we will see the legacy of Black Widow in Hawkeye, and that remains to be seen, but I do believe it's going to be very much an excellent series with really good storytelling, which you saw begin at the end of this end credits scene in Black Widow. So overall, do check this movie out. It's a really good movie. You can get it on Premiere Access and Disney+. Plus. It's also still out in theaters. A definitely good movie to watch in theaters. Excellent storytelling. Do check it out. And that might be a recap of Black Widow, which is a fitting end for Scarlett Johansson and Black Widow in the MCU. But also, the best MCU trilogy that never happened because this could have been a good trilogy. This movie could have been made much sooner. It would have been a great idea to have a trilogy for Black Widow. But it's also great to see we got a solo movie for Black Widow. As an excellent conclusion to her tenure in the MCU. Now, my drink pairing for Black Widow is me no doubt the Moscow Mule. I believe pairing the Moscow Mule with Black Widow does serve as a complimentary and excellent cocktail pairing to this excellent film. The Moscow Mule is a very prominent cocktail made with vodka, lime juice, and ginger beer, while also being served in a copper mug. Now, the other day I found the Moscow Mule in a can, and now we're starting to see cocktails in the can being sold in stores. So seeing a Moscow Mule sold in a can is pretty much unorthodox, as it does present the beverage differently in terms of how it actually is presented. But I thought, you know, pair it with a canned Moscow Mule might be a little different. Pairing is a way to experiment in terms of how does cocktail served in the can. And I'll have a photo of the can on the Bruce Dill Podcast Instagram page. But that's my drink pairing for Black Widow, and that is the Moscow Mule. A popular cocktail with an excellent history. It's now time for a quick update on Loki. Now, I titled this episode The Bar of Loki because in Loki, we talked about international beers combined with craft beers here in the United States. So I'm thinking that the Bar of Loki, what would Loki's bar look like? It definitely will include champagne and wine, as champagne and wine are two beverages that Loki's very fond of. But I also picture a bar of Loki being a bar with an eclectic selection of drinks, such as wine, champagne, cocktails, and craft beer and international beers from around the world. So that's how I pictured a bar of Loki. Now, in Loki, we talked about, you know, cocktails, craft beer, international beers. So that's how I pictured a bar of Loki being this bar that has a wide variety of different beverages that really do match with the show of Loki. And I cannot wait to see what drinks I'll be pairing with Loki Season 2, as we all know what a Season 2 of Loki will be 
coming. But the bar of Loki, that's how I picture it, being a very well-diverse bar with its own multiverse of beers and beverages and even mixed drinks. And it was great to, you know, introduce international beverages on Loki. Now, we definitely will be having more international beverages here in future editions of the Brew Still podcast now that they have been introduced here to the Brew Still podcast, all because of Loki. Now, when it comes to season two of Loki, we all know that season two has been announced. It has yet to begin production. I don't know when season two is going to come out yet, but I will be keeping an eye on it and I'll be providing updates as they come as it will be profiled and recapped here on the Brutus Hill podcast when the release date comes. But we do know the finale of Loki is going to impact the next Spider-Man movie, the next Doctor Strange movie, and also the next Ant-Man movie. We're going to see the first impact in the upcoming Spider-Man movie, which will also feature Doctor Strange. I don't know how deep that movie is going to go in regards to the impact of the Loki finale, but I do believe that the Spider-Man movie is going to explore the multiverse and what it's become because of Loki. Now we do know that Spider-Man is going to be teaming up with Doctor Strange in this movie, so I do believe we're going to see some multiverse madness here, but the multiverse is going to be explored even deeper in the next Doctor Strange movie, in where it has been reported that Tom Hiddleston will be provising his role as Loki in that movie. Now here's the thing, I'm pretty sure this is going to be the same Loki from the series that we just saw on Disney+, Plus, assuming this report is actually true, but if it's true, how would that line up with the timeline, also the storyline, and also Doctor Strange believes that Loki is dead due to the events of Avengers Infinity War, and if Doctor Strange does indeed encounter Loki, this variant Loki, will this variant Loki inform Doctor Strange by the TVA, and if so, how would Doctor Strange react to this news? Will he deal with the TVA? Will he go to the TVA? That remains to be seen. And it's also worth noting that Doctor Strange is not a very big fan of Loki, so if he encounters Loki, I don't believe that's going to be a pretty friendly confrontation because, as we saw in Doctor Strange movie, the very first one, Doctor Strange, he doesn't like Loki. But right now, it's been speculated that Loki is going to be in the next Doctor Strange movie. Right now, I think that's just rumor. We don't know yet. We'll just have to keep an eye on it when that movie comes closer to the release date. But also, regards to Loki Season 2, the biggest questions that remain are, what will happen next to Sylvie? Is Sylvie's and Loki's romantic relationship doomed? How will they get reunited? Because we all know that Loki and Sylvie are going to get reunited. We just don't know how yet. Now, even though it might be too early to make predictions, I do predict that Sylvie is going to find her way back to TVA. And it's going to be the correct TVA we saw originally in the series, but she'll soon find out that she went to TVA and where Loki's no longer at. And she'll find out that she sent Loki to the wrong TVA. And with help from Agent Mobius, probably Hunter B-15, I do see Sylvie find her way back to the other Loki in the other TVA that she sent him to. And where exactly is Loki right now in the timeline? What alternate version of TVA did he go to? And how is he going to get himself out of this mess? And where is the other Agent Mobius and Hunter B-15 that he interacted with when he first got into TVA to begin with? And also, just how bad will Kang be of a villain? And what are these Kang variants we have yet to see? And also, just like we said last week, where did Judge Renslayer go? Where is she now? And also, will we see a Judge Renslayer variant in this new TVA timeline that Loki is now in? And also, what impact will the next Spider-Man movie and the next Doctor Strange movie have on Loki Season 2? And also, will Loki Season 2 come out before or after the next Ant-Man movie? Because they're becoming close together around that timeline that we're looking at in terms of production. So we're not sure yet if Loki Season 2 will come out before or after the next Ant-Man movie. And that's going to be critical in terms of what the story is going to be. But I also won't be surprised if we see a Loki Season 3. I know it's way too early to speculate on that. But a show is so popular, I do see a popular show such as Loki getting into Season 3. But right now, we got Season 2 coming. We'll just have to wait to see what happens. But the story is going to be amazing. And also, will Loki have an impact on Marvel What If? It's been said that Marvel What If is not going to be canon in the MCU, but it could also have a connection to Loki. Maybe we'll find out. I do believe we're going to find out once that show is released if it does have a connection to Loki because we saw the Sacred Timeline branch out to separate realities and Marvel What If is going to explore other realities in the MCU, even though Marvel said it's not going to be canon in the MCU. But who knows? It could very well be canon. We just don't know it yet. But I do believe we're going to get hints and clues in the next Spider-Man movie and the next Doctor Strange movie in terms of where Season 2 of Loki is going to be going. And I 
also believe we're going to get even bigger clues if Loki does indeed appear in the next Doctor Strange movie. But there's no doubt that Loki has a major feature in the MCU. Loki is going to be very influential what happens next to the MCU because this show is going to be around for quite some time. It's going to have a major impact to the MCU. And another interesting observation in the show from Loki Season 1, we definitely saw Loki really did change. I mean, he went from being this evil villain in the first Avengers movie to becoming someone who sought and got redemption in the end. He dramatically changed. Now, even though this is a different Loki, as you call him our Loki, a variant Loki, our Loki definitely did show that Loki's candidate change and be good people by finding redemption and learning how to be loved, as there are people around Loki who do love him, which I believe also includes Sylvie still, as I do believe that Sylvie does still have feelings for Loki, as I believe she was trying to protect him in the finale, even though it looked like she was betraying him. There's also Agent Mobius, 100B15. But Loki definitely grew in this show, and I can't wait to see what further growth Loki's going to have in Season 2 of Loki when that comes out. But in the meantime, we'll continue to keep a watch on the news of Loki Season 2. Any news, any major tidbits of news that are going to be revealing towards how Season 2 is going to go. But I do believe we're going to start seeing some of that in the next Spider-Man movie. And I definitely will be recapping the next Spider-Man movie here on the Bruce Hill Podcast when it comes out later this year. Now, my next Marvel show is definitely going to be Marvel What If? That comes out mid-August. I'll be recapping the episodes of that series. And after that, we'll be coming Hawkeye. It has been announced that Hawkeye and the Marvels on Disney Plus are going to be coming out later this year. So also do stay tuned for that. Also with other uh, companion content to go with both those shows as well. I am working on companion content for Marvel What If? So do stay tuned for updates on that as well. Now for my beer pairing for this topic on Loki, my beer pairing for this is going to be the Smithic's Irish Red Ale. This Irish Red Ale is my favorite red ale of all time. It's not a craft beer. The Smithic's Irish Red Ale has been around for hundreds of years. It's a very old beer. It goes back to the 1700s. All the way to the year 1710. This Irish Red Ale is very rich, very malty, an excellent beer I have all year round. It's my go-to beer of choice when I go to my favorite Irish pub, O'Malley's in Old Town, Sacramento. And that again is the Smithic's Irish Red Ale. An excellent Irish Red Ale you should check out. Also another international beer to pair here in Bruce Hill Podcast as part of the Summer of Loki World Tour. And also do stay tuned for future content when we're talking more about Irish beverages, such as Irish beer, Irish whiskey, the beverages of Ireland, which will be part of future content here on the Bruce Hill Podcast. But do check out the Smithic's Irish Red Ale, an excellent Irish Red Ale. It definitely competes and holds its own against the beers of today, and this beer comes from the year 1710, a beer that stood the test of time and continues to do so. And that's going to do from here in this edition of Brew Distilled. Next week, I'm going to be doing more of an in-depth preview of Marvel What If. In next week's edition of Brew Distilled, I'll be talking more about Marvel What If, the episodes we do know that are coming so far, and also episodes we think might be coming. It's going to be a 10-episode series, so next week in next week's edition of Brew Distilled, I'll be talking about Marvel What If, going over a preview of Marvel What If, talking about the trailer, do a trailer breakdown. We do know some of the confirmed episodes right now, but we don't know all the episodes yet. We may not know till the show gets released. We may not even know to the day of the release, but we'll talk about what we know so far next week about Marvel What If, and also what to expect, and also what role it's going to play in the MCU, even if it's not canon. So do stay tuned for that next week and Brew Distilled, and there will be beer pairings to go along with that topic as well. And also soon I will announce a companion show to go along with uh, Marvel What If. It'll be part of a special edition here at Brew Distilled Podcast, and I'll have more details on that closer to the date of that show. Until then, I'll see you all next week. I'm your host, DJ Monte Ale. I'll see all of you next week. And until then, be brewed and be distilled, folks. Cheers. Cheers.